right. Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to the well here at STSA. Um, we are in week three of our series, Do You Believe in Miracles? Um, and I'll be honest, today's miracle that we're going to discuss, deacons are making fun of me because I always say this, this is really one of my favorites, and they were saying you say that about all of them. Um, but truthfully, this is really, really, really one of my favorite um, miracles written in the Gospels. Um, and this account is actually recorded in both the Gospel of St. Matthew and the Gospel of St. Mark. Um, we're going to read from the Gospel of St. Matthew today and kind of fill in some of the blanks uh, that St. Mark gives us as well because they both kind of complement each other. Um, so we're going to dive in, and if you couldn't tell from the video, good, okay, hopefully it was vague enough, um, but we're going to read together um, from Matthew chapter 15, um, and this is how the story starts. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. So before we kind of dive in, let's just kind of give context to what's happening in the story. Okay, so the very first thing that we notice is that Jesus and his disciples, they were in a specific place, and then they left that specific place. If you read earlier in the passage, there was a lot of commotion. A lot of arguing with the Pharisees and all those things. So the, the Jesus and his disciples are going to this place, Tyre and Sidon. It's kind of on the coast uh, of the, the country, um, coast of Galilee. And they're going there to just rest. They're not going there for preaching. They're not going there for teaching. They're definitely not going there for healing. Um, so that's kind of the purpose of why they're going there. And they're actually going there, again, kind of quietly. Like they don't want any fuss, any commotion, whatever. Um, the Gospel of St. Mark tells us that despite all of this, Jesus could not be hidden. Jesus could not be hidden. So like they tried to take Jesus, they try to hide Jesus, kind of keep things quiet for a little bit, but Jesus could not be hidden. And that's where this woman comes on the scene. What we know about this woman is this woman was a Gentile woman. She was not a Jewish woman. Um, she was a Greek woman, probably from the upper class. And the reason that that's important is because during those times, those who lived in that region were actually making money off those who were like farmers. Okay, so those lived like on the, on the coastline. They would be making money on, on the farmers um, so there's already a lot of tension that was built up, okay? So they felt like they were being taken advantage of. So this woman is an upper-class woman. She makes, like, she's, she's wealthy, she's well-off, she's doing great. And here she comes um, asking for help from somebody who, on the, on the surface level, is, like, from a society's perspective, inferior, okay? So that kind of gives us the picture um, of why this is important. Despite all of that, this lady doesn't care, and she comes and she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, why is that interesting? I just told you guys a few minutes ago that she was a, like a Gentile woman. Title, son of David, is what? Is a messianic title. That's somebody who would be like a Jewish person would call him son of David. So those around Jesus, probably what they're thinking is she probably heard that title and she's just saying it to get what she wants, okay? Like her faith probably is not really real. She just wants to get something from Jesus, okay? So they don't believe right away that, oh, clearly this woman believes that Jesus is the Messiah. That's not how they're interpreting the story. So she does that. She goes out of her way to say this, Lord, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. And that what we find out is Jesus' response is, he answered her, not a word. So she's coming to Jesus. This is in, this is in the Gospels, okay? I didn't make this up. She's coming to Jesus. She says, my daughter severely demon-possessed. Jesus, help me. And Jesus answers her, not a word. 
and we'll see how things progress later on. But the very first lesson that I think is good for us to learn from this lady is that silence, sometimes when we approach God and we feel like we're met with silence, we equate silence to God not caring or God not hearing. We equate silence with God not caring or God not hearing. That's not what's happening here today. That's not what's happening here today, and that's not what happens to us. In fact, what this woman is going to teach us throughout this passage is what real faith looks like. And the very first thing that she teaches us is that real faith doesn't fade away when it encounters silence. Real faith doesn't back down when it's faced with silence. It's painful to read those words. It's painful to read words that a lady is crying out to him. Son of David, like I'll call you whatever you want me to call you. I'll say whatever I have to say. And Jesus sees her and doesn't say a word. That's tough to read. What happened to compassion to Jesus? Like we read all this, we like those stories. Like good shepherd Jesus, compassion to Jesus, but Jesus not responding. Like saying no is better than not responding. Like saying no is better than not responding. What, what's going on? Why is Jesus doing this? In most cases, when we are met with silence, the truth is we have no idea why God sometimes answers and why he doesn't. We don't know. It's a mystery. But what we are confident in, in is in who God is. We don't know why sometimes God answers and why he doesn't. And I would love, okay, like my job here is to preach the, 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 the gospel and to tell you here's the answer to this. I would love to give you an answer. I would love to give you a formula, but there's no formula. Sorry. And if everybody tells you that this is the formula, probably run the other way. It's a mystery. We don't really know. In Isaiah, God says it this way. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Don't ever assume you know the why when it comes to silence with God, because that's when we get ourselves into trouble. The truth is we're not smart enough to figure it out all the time. One person this reminded me of who had a request as well and is initially met with silence. He asked for his request three times. St. Paul in 2 Corinthians, he tells us that he had this thing called the thorn in the flesh. And people have said the thorn in the flesh is this, thorn in the flesh is this. Nobody knows, okay? Thorn in the flesh could be anything, okay? We, we don't really know. But what he tells us is that he asked God to take away thorn in the flesh. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God heard St. Paul's prayers? This is an easy one. It's St. Paul, okay? <laughs> like St. Paul did everything. Like there wasn't anything that St. Paul didn't do. Like St. Paul like preached the good news. St. Paul changed his entire life. St. Paul was beaten. He was stoned. He was like, he did everything. Shipwrecked, tortured, like, and eventually he died for the faith. You think God was hearing St. Paul's prayers? Like, okay, it, even though this isn't true, but even if we say, okay, well, I'm, maybe I'm, it's because I'm bad and God doesn't hear my prayers. Do you think he's going to hear St. Paul's prayers? Yes. Okay, like, of course he's going to hear St. Paul's prayers. And yet, the answer that he gets is silence, and then the answer is no. My grace is sufficient. And St. Paul learns why God allowed it. And he tells us, like in, in, Saint in 2 Corinthians, he says like God had revealed to him the purpose. And we'll see the purpose of why God is doing this to the lady today in this story. He tells him that he did it for his humility. He didn't want him to get too puffed up, too prideful. Because St. Paul didn't only do all those great works, but as you know, St. Paul also had visions of heaven. Like St. Paul wasn't just like a great preacher. He was very spiritual. Like he had visions of heaven like he was, he was a saint, right? So he wanted him to stay humble. 
that was the reason for St. Paul specifically. It's not always the reason, but that was the reason for St. Paul specifically. So silence, being met with silence, is not the same as God not caring. God cares for everyone. God loves everybody. God hears everybody. But sometimes there's a purpose to this. A lot of times there's a purpose to the silence, but we just don't know it. We don't know what the purpose is. Let's keep going with the story and see how she continued to press on despite the silence. His disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. I love this verse. When I first read this verse, I thought, man, it's kind of mean. Like, the disciples, like, are with Jesus, and they're like, just get rid of this lady. Like, this is just an awkward situation. And the reason that we know it was awkward is because it tells us that she was crying out after them. Okay, so what that looks like is imagine you're with the disciples and with Jesus, and she's just crying out out loud. Okay, I know the video was silent. The video was, was like an uh, artistic uh, uh, rendition of it. Okay, but, but the, reality of, the reality of it is that she's just crying out, Jesus, heal, heal my daughter. Jesus, son of David, heal my daughter. Like she's yelling. She's be- like yelling at the top of her lungs. And they're just like, this is awkward. Like this is embarrassing. This is awkward. Like do what you need to do, Jesus. Like get rid of this lady. But what commentators tell us is that they weren't just saying like just get rid of her, like throw her to the side. They're saying, can you just heal her daughter already? Like we know you're going to do it. Can you just heal her daughter already so we could just keep going? Because it's awkward. Jesus himself doesn't mind the awkwardness, okay? Like, he's totally fine with it. He doesn't mind the, the, that the lady is yelling or whatever. He's trying to teach everybody their lesson. So he doesn't mind any of it. The disciples feel awkward. Jesus is perfectly fine. He's like, I'm unbothered. I'm good. So the disciples want Jesus to heal her and to send her away. And this is Jesus' response to the disciples. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. At this point, Jesus hasn't even spoken to this lady. Like this is not, he's not saying this to her. He's saying this to the disciples. Okay, so like you, you're this lady and you hear, first thing, Jesus doesn't say a word, doesn't even acknowledge. And then he says this, and you hear he says this to the disciples. And Jesus hasn't said a word to this poor lady who's crying out, going out of her way, trying to meet Jesus, trying to get like her daughter severely demon-possessed. She's trying to do anything. And Jesus says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This to me, if I was the lady, would be heartbreak. I'd say, okay, pack, I tried. Pack up my bags and let's go. Like, what else can I do? Like, I tried. Like, first, met with silence. And then now he just basically said no. So, like, okay, it's time to leave. As we're reading this, something to keep in mind is that me and you are more like this woman, less like the disciples. We are the Gentiles. Like, we're more like the woman, less like the disciples. So when Jesus is saying this, he's saying this about us, that he came except, he didn't come except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And what he means by that is the priority. It's like initially he came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, okay, and he doesn't encounter some uh, Gentile people along the way, but that was his primary mission. But obviously he died for all, and eventually the apostles would go preach the gospel to all nations. But again, if you're this woman, you don't know any of this. This is all you hear. So how would you respond? How did she respond? Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Silence, rejection, when Jesus says, I didn't come except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and her response is worship and putting her request before him again. 
Lord, help me. If before she was crying out loud, if you want a kind of an image, like if she's running after the crowd, crying out loud, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me before, now this is more of an intimate request. Now this is more one-on-one. Now I'm right face-to-face with Christ. And now I'm asking for something specific face-to-face. The parable that Jesus gave about the persistent widow, you guys remember that parable? The persistent widow with the evil king. Of course, of course here's the good king. Okay, But the persistent widow with the evil king, where Jesus gave a parable, and he said, there's, a, there's this widow, and she wants justice done for her, and she has to go to this king, and basically the king just gives in because of her persistence. Like she nags him so much that he gives in. And Jesus says, if this evil king gave in to the persistent woman, why would you think God is any less when you come persistently to him and consistently to him? If real faith doesn't back down when it's met with silence, real faith also requires persistence. Real faith doesn't back down when it's met with silence, and real faith requires persistence. This lady today, and we'll see how even more incredible she, she gets in, as, as we read the story, but this is why it's one of my favorite stories. Not because of the miracle in and of itself. It's because of who this lady was and what we learn about this lady. Everything on the surface would have told this lady, pack up your bags and go home. But she refused. She said, no. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going to Jesus. I refuse. I believe with all my heart that one of the things we're losing today in our modern society is this, is persistence, perseverance, pushing through. Imagine if you're an employer, okay, and, and you're interviewing someone, and you ask someone, how would you solve X problem? And the response is, I would either Google it or give up. Okay, because that's, that's like our society today. Either I Google it and I find the answer or I give up. Like, those are the two options. Would you hire that person? Okay. No, hopefully not. All right. Hopefully you have better candidates than that. You wouldn't hire that person because persistence and perseverance is something that we admire. That's, that's a trait that we love. But somehow in spirituality, we don't do the same thing. Like we love it when we see like that athlete that really pushed through that injury, you know, and like and it really pushed through when you really did something great, okay? Like I would say all mothers, okay, or expecting mothers, a lot of persistence and perseverance that goes on, okay? And when we admire them for that, it's like it's, it's honorable what they have to go through. And we say, all oh, that is great. We love persistence. We love perseverance. But do we apply that same, that same trait in our spiritual life? Persistence is something to be worked on. It's not magic. It doesn't happen by accident. And right now in our, uh, in our house, something I've noticed with uh, uh, our daughter, Ellie. Um, Ellie's at a point where she's just going to have like full conversations. Okay, if you ever get stuck in, on a conversation with Ellie, it's going to take you some time. Okay, so, um, but we, like, she has like full conversations and she's the best. She's great. Daddy's girl. Love her. Okay, she's the best. But Ellie has gotten into this habit of she tries to do something and if she can't figure out, Daddy, I need help. Okay, Ellie, you can do it. Like, like try to like do it this way. No, Daddy, you do it. No, like, okay, I can do it, but like I want you to learn, like, like figure it out, like problem solving. No, I want you to do it. And like then, you know, like all it's just everything goes crazy. Okay, so <laughs> at that point. But persistence is something to be learned. Like, is she gonna learn persistence if I just every time she needs help with something, I just step in and I just do it for her? Same thing with with Christ and what he's trying to teach us here with this lady. Persistence is something to be learned. And he's teaching us in the way that he's interacting with this lady. He knows her intimately. He knows her very well. And he's trying to teach all of us a lesson by the way that they are going back and forth in his dialogue. Or not really back and forth, but really her pouring out her heart to him. St. John Chrysostom, he tells it to us this way. He says, 
Whether we receive what we ask for, he's talking about prayer, or do not receive it, let us still continue steadfast in prayer. For we know not as he does what is profitable to us. The, the context of this is all about persistence. Okay, So he's basically saying, sometimes you go to God in prayer and you get what you want. Sometimes you go to God in prayer and you don't get what you want. You still need to continue steadfast in prayer. You still need to be persistent. You still need to persevere. Because the goal isn't to get what you want. The goal is to be in a relationship with God. If the goal is to get what I want, then the first time I don't get an answer that I want to prayer, I'll stop. But if the goal is relationship, then I'll keep going. So he's telling us, whether we receive what we ask for or don't receive it, let us still continue steadfast in prayer. And he says something there at the end. For we know not as he does what is profitable to us. So sometimes you can assume that I didn't get what I want, that's bad. Says who? Says you. But maybe God thinks differently. Maybe God says, no, actually, that's good. You don't get it because your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. So this lady shows us that she doesn't back down when it comes to silence. She doesn't back down when it comes to being persistent. And despite all of that, Jesus has an interesting response to her persistence. So if you remember, the last thing that this lady did, she came down and worshipped him. And she said, Lord, help me. And Jesus' response to this persistence is why I love this miracle. Because it's a miracle that is both inspiring and a miracle that also makes me cringe. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Whoa. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your memory verse of the week. <laughs> okay. Whoa. That's a tough one. If this wasn't written in the Gospels and somebody suggested it to us, like, oh, I heard Jesus say this once, we would call that person a heretic. Okay? We would say, Jesus would never say this. What is this? Like, what in the world is Jesus doing here? Is there a purpose to all of this? Like, Jesus saying no is better than that answer. Like, saying no, I, it's not my will to heal your daughter, is better than this answer. I was reading a funny commentary on this, and somebody was saying that, well, you know, uh, Jesus didn't say dog. He said little dog. So there's, like, a difference, okay? Because, like, dog is bad, but little dog is, like, you know, like a puppy. Like, you know, it's kind of cute. <laughs> and I'm just like, what are we doing here? Like, like now we're just trying to mix stuff up. Because if I, good example, if I came to you today after church and I called you a little dog and then you were like, what's going on? And I was like, oh, no, no, you don't get it. I didn't call you dog, but I called you little dog. So clearly you can't be offended. You'd be like, if you lost your mind, man. Like, that makes no sense. That doesn't make any sense. So clearly that's not a good explanation. But again, the explanation is what Jesus was referring to earlier, his priority in ministry, is that he came first for the house of Israel, okay? So he's taking like an analogy, okay? He's taking an analogy and he's applying it here. But nonetheless, let's be honest, if you're this lady, you're not thinking macro level. This sounds like an insult. This sounds like I came, I poured my heart out to God. I was met with silence. I was met with rejection. And what it seems like is I was met with an insult. How is she supposed to respond? Like, I know I just told you be persistent three seconds ago. <laughs> just pack up your bags and go home at this point. Like, oh my goodness, how are you supposed to respond to this? This is why I told you guys it's one of my favorite miracles. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Best response of all time. Like, are you kidding me? Who's this woman? This is a Gentile woman? Like, what's in this woman's heart? Jesus doesn't do anything by chance. Everything that Jesus does is with a purpose. And with this specific woman, he knew what was in her heart, 
and he's taking her step by step, trying to bring out the glory, the beauty of this woman's heart and showing it to everyone around. He's taking it step by step. And he said, silence first. I'm going to show you that this lady pushes through silence. And then I'm going to say, I only came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm going to show you what it looks like to be persistent. And then even with the insult, now I'm going to show you the humility of this lady. I'm going to show you how great this lady truly is. Remember I told you this lady comes from an upper class background. So she's going to somebody, again by society standards, who's inferior to her. And this is how she's dealt with. She doesn't blink. She's not phased. And her, her response is incredible. Nobody would have ever predicted that the conversation would have gone this way, and especially that her response would have gone that way. And we know what comes next. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus knew what he was going to do from the beginning. He knew who was going to heal this, this uh, woman's daughter. He had no doubt. He knew. Like Jesus wasn't like, should I, shouldn't I? That's, no, like Jesus knew. Jesus knew what he was going to do from the beginning. Why go through all of this? Maybe it served something for this woman. It took her step by step, deepening her faith, but also to show everybody else, look how beautiful this woman is. Look at her heart. You think because you're a Jew and she's a Gentile that you're better? I'm going to show you something to prove a point. It would have been easy for her to dismiss Jesus at so many points in the conversation. She could have said, I don't deserve this. I'm wealthy. Nobody treats me that way. Nobody talks to me that way. But she doesn't do any of that. And because of that, Jesus wanted to glorify her. And what I believe made her faith so great, I told you it was persistent, and it wasn't, didn't back down from silence, but what made her faith truly great is that it was ultimately rooted in humility. Real faith, if you want great faith, it's always rooted in humility. Humility is knowing who I am and knowing who he is. Humility is knowing that I need him, that I'm always going to be in need, that I can't go through life thinking that I have it all figured out. The moment you go through life thinking that you have the answers to everything, trouble is around the corner. Trouble is around the corner, I promise you. When we don't hold on to our humility, that's when our faith also becomes shaky. The two are correlated. The two go hand in hand. You can't separate one from the other. St. Isaac the Syrian has a beautiful quote. It's kind of long, so I shortened it, but I'll tell you guys the context. Hold faith and humility fast within you, for through them you will find mercy, help, and words spoken by God in the heart, along with a protector who stands beside you. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? Anybody here doesn't want to find mercy, help, and words spoken by God in the heart, along with a protector who stands beside you? We all want that. That's beautiful. St. Isaac, in this homily where, where we get this quote, he continues and he says that humility and faith keep us close to God and then pride is the thing that takes us away from God. Not because God wants us to be far from him. Not because God wants us to be far from him. But inevitably, if I feel like I have it all figured out, then I'm not going to be close to God. This miracle today, this is why I told you guys it's one of my favorite miracles, and I meant it, okay, despite what any of the deacons might say. I meant it today, okay? This is why this is one of my favorite miracles, because it's a miracle that's both inspiring, and even though it makes us cringe at times, 
it shows us that even when God does things that we don't understand, there's always a purpose behind it. Like even when this lady today is met with signs and like, Jesus, like, just be compassionate, just heal her daughter. And he says, not yet. And then he says, and then it sounds like rejection. I, I came only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And like, Jesus, just, just heal the lady, just one person, whatever. Not yet. Actually, it's not good to give the children's dogs, the, the children's food to the little dogs. They're like, Jesus, come on. It's too much. He says, you'll see. And he shows us the greatness of this woman. He says, you want to see faith? That's faith. A faith doesn't back down when it's met with silence, isn't afraid of the silence, a faith that's persistent, and a faith that's rooted in humility. That's great faith. My prayer is that ultimately, that if we want great faith to really feel like we're close to God, like what St. Isaac tells us right there, that we want to find mercy, help, and words spoken by God in the heart and feel like God is beside us, if we want that, then we emulate this lady. That we don't think we know better than God. Okay? And sometimes people say, like, I got angry with God. And I get it. God, is, God himself is very humble and he deals with us even when we do things like that. But ultimately, if our posture when we go and approach God is, you are Lord. You know better than I do. You know way more than I do. I love you. I trust you. I don't understand all the time, but I love you and I trust you. And then God will create something great in our hearts. God will give us great faith like he gave this woman today. Let's stand up and pray together. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you so much for the blessing of the scripture that we just read, um, for the story being recorded. Thank you for um, allowing us to, to really receive that blessing from it, Lord. We ask you, Lord, that you continue to guide us, continue to show us, Lord, what it means to have great faith. Teach us, Lord, to grow in our faith with you. Teach us, Lord, what it means to have faith that is that can push through the silence, that is persistent, and ultimately, Lord, faith that is really deeply rooted in humility, Lord. Help us have that kind of faith like this woman had, Lord. Pray, Lord, that you're always guiding all your people, that no matter what we're going through, whether we understand or we don't understand, that we trust you and we know that you are love, that you are mercy, that there's always a purpose, that even if we don't get the purpose, we know that at, in the end, that you, Lord, love us more than anything else. We ask you, Lord, that you hear our prayers through the intercessions of all your saints. Here says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us as day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 